Welcome in to another edition of the WizSports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at WizSports.net and your host each and every week as we run through all the big stories in high school athletics. And this week we are going to be focusing, continuing to focus on the high school football playoffs that move into level two this week. As a reminder though, Many of the other fall sports are into uh, deep into the postseason as well. The cross-country state championships are held this Saturday. Boys soccer, boys volleyball, girls volleyball, they are all into sectional play later this week, which means the state tournaments for those uh, sports are coming up next week. So it's getting to be a busy time on the calendar, on the high school sports calendar. And as you have seen, and as you I'm sure are well aware with the calendar about to flip over to November, that means the start of winter sports are not far away. Winter sports practices will begin in just a few weeks here. Basketball beginning in a few weeks, and as you have seen, Mark Miller, Norbert Durst already cranking out some great preseason content in boys and girls basketball, respectively. That will continue over the next few weeks leading up to the start of the season, and obviously continue throughout the season as we have wall-to-wall coverage of boys and girls basketball, the best coverage in the state, and uh, should be obviously a daily destination for all those Hoops fans around the state of Wisconsin. But for this podcast, we will focus in on football. We will take a look at Level 2, get into a, uh, a preview of some of the big games, some of the big action. We're not going to preview every game. There's 60 on the schedule this week when you include eight-player football, so... We're not going to break down every single matchup, but we will go through division by division and take a look at some of the big storylines this week that that we're going to be following as action heads into Friday night. Before we do that, however, we are going to uh, talk briefly about some information that came out on WSN this week, that being the Wisports.net Senior Football Awards moving to the finalist level something that we have been doing for, I believe, 10 years now, Uh, maybe 11. I'd have to double check. Um, But kind of modeled after the college football awards, where each of the position awards is named after somebody that contributed greatly to to football in Wisconsin, most of them uh, former high school players in the state of Wisconsin. So, for instance, the Offensive Line Award is the Joe Thomas Award. Of course, a uh, future Hall of Famer uh, from the... Uh, Cleveland Browns played at the University of Wisconsin and played scholastically his prep football at Brookfield Central. Tim Crumry uh, Award represents the most outstanding defensive player, excuse me, defensive lineman, uh, senior defensive lineman. Tim was a uh, a standout for many years uh, in the NFL um, with the Cincinnati Bengals, played at Wisconsin, played his high school ball at Mondovi. So we moved to the finalist level, and on Wednesday, we announced all of the offensive positions. Uh, Thursday, we will get to the defensive positions. But uh, as you've seen over the years, and as you saw this year, we produce a preseason watch list that comes out before the season, and that list is pretty big. You know, it, it's uh, we go pretty broad on that, so there's anywhere from 40 to 80 maybe 100 on the offensive line list, um, players that are mentioned on those preseason watch lists, depending on the position. From there, about halfway through the season, usually after week five, we uh, narrow that down, whittle it down to the semifinalist list. 
That's anywhere from 15 to 25 players, again, depending on position and depending on the year. But the finalist level is really probably the hardest one to narrow down. You know, on the, the preseason list, uh, again, we can, you know, it's, it's a list. We can put a ton of kids on there um, and, and try to go as broad as we can. The semifinalist list, you know, you've got a few weeks of information under your belt. You can start to, to whittle it down. But the finalist list, as, you, as we attempt to narrow the field down to just five finalists at each position, man, that gets to be very, very challenging. Uh, some very good players um, end up not being included in that list. You know, certainly you could have uh, very strong arguments for their inclusion, but uh, it's it's the toughest part, um, I think, is uh, is whittling it down to this to the finalist list. I will say this year, I did a better job of uh, kind of reining things in, and for the most part, we have five selections at each of the positions, with a few of them having six. Um, in the past, there's been times where. You know, pretty much every position we had six finalists and a couple we had eight. Um, I think we had 10 one year and maybe 12 offensive linemen one year. But I tried to uh, really narrow it down and, um, you know, stick to that five finalists as much as possible uh, with a few exceptions here or there. So, again, a difficult process, uh, you know, try to um, absorb as much information as, as I can <clears throat> excuse me, uh, absorb as much information as I can in making those selections. Uh, obviously, review kind of where things are from a stats perspective, especially with some of the offensive uh, positions. You know, that is a, obviously a big differentiator. Um, look at, you know, the, the level of competition. Look at some of the awards lists that are starting to come out. Talk to a ton of coaches throughout the year to get their thoughts and their opinions on players. <clears throat> excuse me. And you know, a lot of times, as you would expect, the better teams have more um, more kids that are in the running, just as you'll see on the all-state teams, on the all-conference teams, on the all-region teams. Um, you know, your your team, usually if you do well, your team's going to have success. So it's kind of a correlational relationship. But, uh, you know, especially at, uh, at some of the positions, it's, you know, how, how, how did your team do? Um, and, and what did you do to impact your team that plays a big role in this. Uh, certainly have seen some of these players live, certainly have watched uh, film on a number of these players, uh, whether it's before the season, during the season, etc. Many of them, almost all of them have their um, mid-season highlight film out, and some of them have their uh, nine-game regular season film available. So try to, uh, again, take in as much information and, and gather as much information as we can as we try to narrow down our, uh, our list to now the finalists, which are announced this week, which is the week after level one of the playoffs. Just as a little bit of a preview, we will announce the winners of these awards the week of the state championship games. So you can look for that in, uh, in a few weeks here. And uh, just a, a fun way for us to be able to recognize uh, a, another way for, for uh, recognition for those kids. I mean, there's you know a couple of different all-state teams. There's other awards. There's all-conference information, many uh, media outlets have all area uh, type things, but um, you know this is our chance to to recognize and, and reward and uh, some of the outstanding performances. And again, we we uh, we limit this to the seniors, um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in just a second at one of the positions. But um, it is limited to the seniors. So at the quarterback spot, 
you probably saw the list that we put together, had five on there, um, certainly some other kids that were very deserving of, of uh, being considered and were considered along the way. Uh, some kids that uh, didn't quite make the list, that had outstanding years, that uh, you know, a couple of them, are their teams are still alive, they could go deep in the playoffs and um, you know, certainly could prove us wrong. Um, and by the way, you don't have to be on the finalist list technically to be a, the, the winner. Um, I can't remember which year it was. One of the, one of the first years that we did this, uh, there was somebody that was on the finalist, not on the finalist list. And, and that was when we did the finalist after the regular season. Um, but they ended up winning it after not being on the finalist list. They put together, a, excuse me, a huge playoff push and ended up winning it. So there isn't necessarily a requirement that you have to be on the previous list to be on the next list or to win it. Um, but Caden Nelson from Wanakee was certainly someone that we considered. Jason Saniti from Madison Memorial. Austin Larson from Onalaska uh, considered as well, um, but didn't quite make the cut of five, uh, where we had Kyle Allen from Hortonville, Johnny Davis from Lacrosse Central, Isaac Lindsay from Mineral Point, Brooks Blount from Waukesha West, and Jacob Frantel from Hartford. Uh, I would also add Luke Fox to that list of uh, quarterbacks that we considered and uh, didn't quite make it onto that final list. The running back list, um, again, five players as of right now, which is uh, quite a bit less than what we've had in a lot of years. Uh, again, a tough cut down, left off some very good kids. Uh, and there was one, in, one issue that we did up, uh, end up running into. So as I was putting everything together, not only uh, this week, but just kind of reviewing things throughout the year, Adam Siegel from New Berlin West was a, a player that's had a huge season. I think he's third in the state in rushing right now, has 26 touchdowns, something like that. Um, you know, saw what he had been doing all year, very impressed. I, I think we had him as a nominee for player of the week one week. Um, he's been listed as a junior all year on our site. And I looked back, uh, and sure enough, on the roster that we received from the school, he was listed as a junior. After we announced our finalist for that uh, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch Award, the running back award, uh, got a couple uh, tweets from some people from New Berlin West wondering why Siegel wasn't on the list. And my first response, or first you know, thought was, well, he's a junior. He's, you know, this is the senior football awards, and that does happen sometimes. People don't realize that it's a senior-only thing. So I went back and looked. Sure enough, he's listed as a junior on our site. Um, and then I got digging around a little bit, looked at some other sources, and he was listed as a senior in some other places. And so I kind of dug around again, looked back at the roster we received. Sure enough, listed as a junior. I asked, uh, you know, the people that had uh, sent some information in to us and they indicated that nope, he's actually a senior. So I'm pretty sure that I just, this all just came across uh, my desk just shortly before this was recorded but I'm pretty sure that Adam Siegel will be added to that running back finalist list. So we'll actually have six there. So he'll join a list that includes Joey Jorgie from uh, Grafton, Tyler Tanner from Racine Lutheran, Rashad Lampkin from Brookfield Central, Tanner Keller from Waterford, and Callian Buckner from Middleton. Some very good kids that didn't quite make it that, uh, for whatever reason, whether it was their, their team went out early in the playoffs and they're not going to be building, uh, be able to build a uh, you know more of a resume or just kind of didn't quite make it. Ian Wilson from Medford was certainly one that we considered, not just because he shares my last name and uh, is therefore awesome. Um, but Nate Valkerkel from Whitnall, uh, 
Unfortunately, he missed their playoff game. He also missed one game during the regular season. So he only ended up with eight games this season. Had a huge year, but uh, didn't quite make it. Alec Morardi from uh, Berlin, Carter Horstman from Bangor, Blaze Todd from Elk Mound, Jeffrey Zay from Jefferson, all considered, but uh, didn't quite make it. The next award is the Altoon Award, and this is kind of a hybrid award. Uh, we do uh, include recognition for wide receivers and tight ends as part of that award. At this time, we do not have a separate award for tight ends. Maybe something we consider down the line. Um, as you can imagine, generally, the, the list is made up of more receivers uh, than tight ends. And, and quite often, usually, the finalist list is, is all receivers like we have this year. There have been times where some uh, tight ends have made that finalist list, though. But the uh, finalists at that uh, Altoon Award, Jameer DK from Waukesha North, Colin Schaefer from Sun Prairie, Connor Wenick from Kimberly, Joe Kasprick uh, from Hartford, which I'm probably mispronouncing his name, and Michael Navis from Cedar Grove, Belgium. Other players we considered but didn't quite make it, Joey Kidder from New Richmond, and uh, uh, very versatile uh, Verona player, Hacken Anderson, um, who does a little bit of everything, uh, kind of a multi-dimensional utility player that doesn't fit in a nice, neat category per se, but had a big year. Also, Verona's Aubrey Dawkins had a nice year at uh, receiver as well. Offensive line, uh, managed to narrow it down to six. Uh, this was a very strong offensive line group in the state of Wisconsin, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of proud, I guess, a little bit that we were able to narrow it down to six. Certainly. Other kids could have been considered, were considered, um, but didn't quite make the list. But our list does include a couple of the top players in the entire country, a couple of uh, guys ranked in the top 200 to 250 players nationally, Trey Wiedig from Kettle Moraine, Jack Nelson from Stoughton, both committed to Wisconsin. Uh, speaking of committed to Wisconsin, Tanner Bordellini from Kiwani is on there, Sean Timmis from Marquette, who's committed as a preferred walk-on. And then also Braden Doyle from Bayport, two-time Offensive Lineman of the Year in the FRCC. And Evan Buss from Kimberly, uh, the Offensive Lineman of the Year in the VFA North as well. Uh, one name that's not on there that uh, you might have uh, uh, noticed for not being on there is Ben Barton from Stratford. And the only thing I'll tell you there is be patient. He's not completely left out, I promise you. Because uh, we have not yet announced our defensive awards the uh, finalists for the defensive positions. Those will come out tomorrow on WSN throughout the day. So keep an eye out, and uh, we'll be announcing the Tim Crumry Award for top defensive lineman, the John Anderson Award for top linebacker, the Jim Leonard Award for the top defensive back, and then our Kevin Stemke Award goes to the top kicker or punter in the state of Wisconsin. So those awards will be announced on Thursday. Again, a difficult process to narrow it down, but I feel like we had a, uh, a very deserving group this year. Uh, hard to argue, uh, obviously, against any of the, the players that were selected as finalists. And as I said, we certainly recognize that there's some other players that very much deserve consideration to be, uh, to be in the mix as well. Let's move on, though, with our discussion and uh, take a look at some of the action that's going to be taking place this weekend. We'll run through each division and, and kind of run through some of the highlights. Again, we're not going to break down all 60 games that are going to be on the schedule, uh, but we'll get into a division-by-division division preview, and we'll start in Division 1. And, uh, you know, not necessarily huge games for the most part. A lot of these games, in fact, are actually uh, rematches 
Six of the eight games are rematches, and many of those games in the regular season were not very close, to be quite honest with you. Um, but a few of them were pretty competitive. There's a, a couple games that I think stand out kind of above the rest as, as potential for having some real uh, competitiveness and some real intrigue. And two of them are in the what would be Group C, which is kind of the Madison area grouping. First of all, you have Madison Memorial, the undefeated top seed taking on Middleton. Uh, they had a pretty competitive game the first time around, and Middleton has improved quite a bit since then. They did have a very close game with Fond du Lac last week. But uh, Callian Buckner, we, we mentioned him in the running back list. Uh, he has really come on strong late in the year. I, I think he's been over 100 yards every game this year, but it is, uh, he's especially picked it up in the last, uh, last little bit here. And then maybe the game I'm most interested in is Sun Prairie at Fond du Lac. Sun Prairie was a six seed. They beat Verona, the three seed, for a second time this year. Sun Prairie has a ton of talent. They were ranked very highly uh, during the course of the season. Um, you know, I, I think always had that ability, had a few close losses and weren't, weren't able to put it together a couple times, ended up getting a six seed, um, but showed that they're better than your normal six seed in taking down Verona. And so now they get a chance to go on the road and make a bit of a statement. Uh, at Fond du Lac. The Big 8 Conference, as we've talked about before, kind of ad nauseum, and I'm sure they're sick of us talking about it, uh, but the, the Big 8 has struggled in some of those games against teams coming into that grouping, and this is a chance for Sun Prairie to make a, a statement. Um, Fond du Lac is a, an outstanding, outstanding team. Obviously, their only loss this year was against Kimberly. They've beaten Franklin, a very good team. Uh, you know, things have come together pretty well for Fond du Lac. Kyle Wal Waljasper, their quarterback, um, just a junior. He'll be on that, uh, you know, some of those senior watch lists next year. But uh, just a junior, and he's uh, having an outstanding season. I believe he's over 1,000 yards rushing and passing this year. Um, and, and that's really an interesting game to kind of see a, a little bit where the Big 8 stands because it's always so tough. There's The Big 8 still into level one of the playoffs no team from the Big 8 has played a non-conference game yet. This will be the first game against a team outside of the Big 8 that any of those teams have played all season. Uh, and then Muskego and McGuanago, I think, could be pretty interesting. Uh, McGuanago gave them a pretty tough game the first time around, uh, but uh, Muskego is the defending champion, certainly looking to keep it rolling there. Division 2, uh, I think a couple of games stand out in the southeast part of the state in what would be Group B that being, first of all, the Battle of Brookfield, Brookfield Central and Brookfield East. Central got the win in the uh, regular season, uh, a big win for them. Really, that's uh, one of them that allowed them to uh, end up getting a share of the conference title. Uh, but that's always a great game, kind of appropriate that both teams won 42-10 to 10 last week. Um, should be a great, great game. Two of the state's better running backs score off in that one. Rashad Lampkin, who was a finalist for the WSN uh, senior Football Awards at the running back spot, and Donovan Hunt from Brookfield East, who is an outstanding runner as well, both Division I-type kids. Maybe the most interesting game, though, Homestead in Menominee Falls. Homestead's the defending champion, but they haven't played um, you know, as a defending champion, I, I think, for, for much of the year. Obviously, did not win the conference title for the first time in 18 years, Finished 7-2 and two in the regular season. They had to struggle against Germantown in level 1. It was 10-7. to seven, And things just haven't quite clicked and come together for the Highlanders yet. Um, which doesn't bode well taking on Menominee Falls, who is a co-champion of the Greater Metro Conference 
Um, so that's a game that that I think stands out quite a bit in Division Two. In Division Three, uh, some games that I, I think really should be quite interesting, including River Falls and Medford. Medford is undefeated, really has not been challenged too much this year, but they haven't played, um, you know, I. A great schedule, to be quite honest with you. The Great Northern Conference was down a little bit, I believe. Uh, they got Hayward in, week, in level one, and that was a shutout running clock victory. So uh, River Falls is going to provide a challenge that m- maybe they haven't seen yet this year, to be quite honest with you. River Falls is a uh, co-champion in the Big Rivers Conference. Um, and even though they lost one of their best players, Seth Cole, their running back uh, for uh, for the season, about midway through the year, or early part of the season, they have uh, they have rebounded well and looking very good right now. Grafton, I think, could cause some problems potentially for West Appear. Uh, Grafton's loaded with talent. Uh, Joey Jorgi, we, we talked about him, the state's leading rusher. Uh, their, their passing attack has looked pretty good as well. Obviously, they've got another Benshaw there, J.P. Benshaw, uh, junior, uh, two-way lineman. So they have the talent to give West Appear some problems. And then DeForest and Reedsburg is a game that I really like. That's the one I'm going to take in this week. And a rematch from a regular season game. Reedsburg um, went on, I think it was on the road the first time around. Uh, lost to DeForest 28 to nothing. One of only two losses for Reedsburg this year. DeForest has looked very, very good this season. Um, obviously beat Wanakee mm-hmm. in week nine. Ended up winning a outright conference championship. And uh, this is a tough matchup for Reedsburg, I think. But I think it's a, a different Reedsburg team than what DeForest would have seen the last time around. I think Reedsburg's starting to come into their own. That flexbone offense starting to hit its stride. Uh, there's, uh, there's some pretty good weapons uh, in the backfield for head coach Brian Pottinger. So interested to see if this one goes a little bit differently. And by the way, that, day, that game did get moved to McFarland due to uh, poor field conditions at DeForest. And then uh, another crosstown battle as New Berlin-Eisenhower takes on New Berlin-West. Eisenhower's only loss this year is to West. Uh, New Berlin-West has uh, looked very good. Um, Adam Siegel, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He has really carried the load for West. And this, uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, Eisenhower, well-documented issue earlier this year. They had a, had a hazing issue. There was a number of players suspended for... Um, essentially half of the regular season. This was one of the games they were suspended for was the first New Berlin West matchup. And those guys are back and have started to get back into the swing of things. So a little bit different Eisenhower team uh, than the first matchup between these squads. The Division Four uh, field, I think a few interesting games, especially in that Group A, which is kind of the northern grouping, if you will. Um, a couple of Northeastern Conference versus Middle Border Conference matchups. We've had a few of those in the state title game over the years and, and have, uh, have been pretty interesting, but we get Freedom and St. Croix Central, and then Baldwin-Woodville and Wrightstown. And that Baldwin-Woodville-Wrightstown game, one of the uh, two games this week that was moved to Saturday because of the travel distance. Uh, right or wrong, whether you like it or not, the WI changed it a few years ago, so the default for all playoff games is on Friday night at 7 o'clock, unless both teams agree and would like to move that game time to a different time on Saturday. So we have kind of uh, significantly cut down on the number of Saturday games that we have going back uh, you know, from a few years ago. Um, 
coaches prefer to play on Friday night. It's, it's the norm. It's the regular part of what they're doing. Uh, so that's why you see most of the games on Friday. Uh, but again, this one with uh, pretty considerable travel, both teams would uh, opted to play on Saturday. Interested to see as well if Winnicani continue its uh, Cinderella run. They're a seven seed. They take on Berlin, a team that running clocked them the first time around. I like the Edgerton River Valley matchup as well. Two one-loss teams that, uh, that are playing very well. And Martin Luther, I think, could give some trouble to Lake Mills. Those are two teams that are going to put up a lot of points generally and should be a pretty exciting game. In Division 5, you know, we're starting to peek ahead a little bit to the potential for a couple matchups in level three that we'll see if they come to pass. But you know what? In the media and as fans, we can do that. Obviously, the teams aren't, the coaches aren't, the players aren't, but Northwestern and Stratford is is uh, is looming next week potentially. Uh, controversy in the seeding process and how that one went with Northwestern getting the top seed based on a coin flip it came down to. And then Lake Country Lutheran and Racine St. Catharines is waiting down in the southeast part of the state. They both have games to win. These teams have to take care of business, obviously, but um, you know the, the potential is there for some of these matchups to start to materialize, some real high-level matchups next week. But on the schedule this week, uh, you know, a few, few, interesting, uh, a few interesting games that Racine St. Catharines game against Cedar Grove Belgium, I think, should be interesting. Michael Navis, the uh, do-everything player from Cedar Grove, Belgium, moved from a receiver his sophomore year to a quarterback his junior year to a receiver his senior year, except for last week, their quarterback, Logan Arrowwood, was out, so he moved back to quarterback. Um, didn't throw the ball all that much, but ran a ton. Just an outstanding athlete that they try to get the ball in his hands in a lot of different ways, and he certainly can cause some problems for that Racine St. Catharines team. <clears throat> in Division Six this week, uh, a few rematches here, including a big one. One of the better games in the state this week, Lancaster and Mineral Point. They met in the regular season. Mineral Point beat Lancaster. It was the only loss for Lancaster this week. And uh, I think a really interesting game there to see if that triple option offense of Lancaster can uh, get things going, control the ball, keep that explosive Mineral Point offense off the field. Um, Darlington and Mondovi is an interesting game. That's another one that was moved to Saturday. Darlington has kind of been a... A uh, bit of an up-and-down team this year. They beat Lake Country Lutheran early on, ended up with three losses in the conference. They were down big to Benton Scales Mound Schulzberg in level one, came all the way back and ended up winning it. So which, which Darlington team are we going to get? If we get the good Darlington team, they certainly can hang with and challenge Mondovi. Um, but again, which team is going to show up? One of my upset specials that I, I think I did pick in my picks before the playoffs started um, involves a, a one seed in Division Six, where I think Auburndale, whose only losses this year are to Edgar and Stratford, really could uh, could give a challenge to Abbotsford. And Abbotsford almost went down to Crivets in level one. That was a eight versus one seed matchup. So that's uh, an, an upset pick to keep an eye on. In D7, um, some interesting games to watch. I think Catholic Central may be a team that could challenge Hilbert a little bit. Now, Catholic Central struggles offensively. They only scored 10 points in an overtime win over Randolph last week, but they've played some very good competition in that Metro Classic Conference. They've played Racine Lutheran and Racine St. Catharines and uh, Martin Luther. So they're, they're not going to be afraid by any means. Hilbert almost uh, 
got knocked off last week as well. They ended up pulling it out, winning 49-34 over Rosholt, a game much closer than I would have anticipated. And a nice rematch in the Six Rivers Conference between Potosi-Cassville and River Ridge. Uh, those teams met in the regular season, and Potosi-Cassville got the win there. The winner likely to take on Blackhawk Warren, who has Ithaca this week. Finally, in eight-player football, we're down to uh, the Elite Eight, if you will, the state uh, state quarterfinals. Um, again, only a 16-team playoff in eight-player this year, which is actually an expansion from the initial eight-player offering from last season. Kind of interesting to see that three of the teams seeded third ended up winning in level one over teams seeded second, but a lot of times there's not a huge difference between difference between the two seeds and the three seeds, obviously. Um, the one seeds all rolled and, and looked very dominating. Uh, maybe every one of them ended in a uh, running clock. The only one I'm not sure on is Belmont, who uh, won by 29 over almost center Lincoln, but I don't know if that uh, had ever got to the running clock threshold. I like the, the one seeds to, to continue on. Um, there's a couple of these that are actually rematches from the regular season. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see if things can change this time around. So that's a quick uh, swing around the eight divisions now that we have with eight-player football. Uh, swing around the eight divisions in the high school playoffs remaining. 60 games on the schedule. So we're starting to get whittled down quite a bit. And, and next week, we really start to see some really high-level games. You start to see those matchups between a one seed and a two seed. And a lot of times, in a lot of those regionals, not much separates those two teams. You know, it's an elite team and an elite team. Um, we don't have a ton of those kinds of matchups, I don't think, this week. But again, next week, really, really starting to, uh, starting to see that. It is going to be a great week of high school football. You know, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of snow on the ground, maybe. A little bit of a hol- or of a uh, Halloween uh, snowstorm, dusting. We'll see what it ends up being, but um, it's going to be cold. It's Wisconsin, though. November first. You know, we we uh, we're hardy people. We'll bundle up and hopefully uh, hopefully get out and catch some great high school football action. I would certainly encourage you to verify and, and double check uh, game location, game time for some of these matchups. Um, again, there have been a few changes already moves in um, in location. There's a couple that are played on Saturday. Some of these fields for these schools are not necessarily at the high school. So please always verify and double check. We try to stay on top of it as much as we can, but just make sure that the place that you think you're going is going to be the right place. We'll be back at it again next week for our WSN podcast. And uh, as you can imagine, taking a uh, another look through at what happened in level two and what's going to be happening in level three. Next week, hope to get to uh, some more actual uh, previews and and, uh, conversations about some of the other sports as well, though, because as we talked about um, girls volleyball, boys soccer, uh, boys volleyball as well, they're starting to get pretty deep into the uh, playoff field. And next week will be the state tournament for some of those. So hope to uh, have on some folks to talk a little bit more and kind of break down and preview for instance, the, uh, the boys and girls ba- uh, volleyball tournament, which for the first time this year is going to be held in one location at the Rush Center in Green Bay. Or maybe it's technically Ashwaubenon. I can't remember. Either way, it's getting to be that fun time of the year. Uh, we're starting to have uh, 
you know, thoughts of winter sports dancing through people's heads as well. But let's finish up uh, fall sports first. And uh, as we always say, you know, get out and support the kids. Uh, $4, $5, whatever it is for a playoff ticket is some of the best value that you're going to find seeing some pretty high-level football. Until then, I am Travis Wilson, general manager at wisports.net. This has been a WSN podcast. We'll see you at a game.